Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week I bring you James Campbell, author of quite a few books. Uh, let me list them real quick. The Ghost Mountain Boys, um, which is about an epic march and terrifying battle for New Guinea. I, I have yet to read that one, but it sounds pretty awesome. The Color of War. The Final Frontiersman about his cousin, Haimo Korth, and his family uh, who live way above the Arctic Circle, way up in Alaska's wilderness. Um, and then the book that I read and the reason why I wanted to talk to James, Braving It, A Father, A Daughter, and an Unforgettable Journey into the Alaskan Wild. So on this podcast, we talk about James's trips with his 16-year-old daughter Aiden to the Arctic Wild and their canoe trip up the Hula Hula River into the Arctic Ocean. And so I really w felt connected to this book um, because I am also a father of daughters. And granted, mine are still pretty young, but you do have these dreams and aspirations of all the fun adventures you're going to have together with your daughter. And it was just kind of nice to see, see that someone out there actually took their daughter out into the wilderness and had these epic adventures. And so I would highly recommend anybody with kids or really anybody if you're an adventure book junkie like I am to check out this book. Once again, it's called Braving It by James Campbell. Uh, I was too embarrassed to read quotes from his book to him <laughs> while we were talking. But uh, here's a quote from the book that I really enjoyed. Um, he says, I've been thinking about something Aiden said the night before. She's been talking about experiences that strip life down to its bare essentials simplifying what for most of us is a demanding and complicated existence into basic needs on an adventure like this we evolve two days in our minds and bodies rebel against the drudgery and hardship then at some point we get used to it we become honed and hardened and then there's an ultimate level reached only when we begin to want and even crave the experience regardless regardless of how demanding it is. And I thought, so that's the end of the quote. <laughs> I thought that was probably the perfect description of an adventure and the importance of putting yourself out there and the importance of exploring the wilderness and having these trips. And quite honestly, man, I looked up to James as I read the book and I really respected him and some of the choices he was making with his daughter. I mean, yeah, there was hardships. Yeah, there was polar bears. <laughs> I just skipped from hardships to straight up polar bears. But yeah, they faced some stuff together. But I have to imagine it gives him confidence as a father to kind of quote unquote let his daughter go as she's, you know, taking the next step. Basically, you know, the age of 16, you're starting to move away from your uh, from your parents 
and you're starting to be more independent. And I have to imagine like having this experience and and seeing his daughter in situations that weren't necessarily easy and seeing how she handled those and helping her along the way to handle hardships. It has to, I don't want to say make it easier to let her go on to the next stage, but it has to at least give you some confidence that, yeah, I'm raising a human correctly and we're, you know, she's going to be strong and independent and be able to withstand all the craziness that life throws at you. And I really, really respected that. Also, the other quote, dude, this is the part that almost made me tear up. So I didn't even want to bring it up while I was talking to him. But he mentioned, and I don't know the exact quote, but I remember it specifically. And it stuck with me for quite a while. I read the book about a year ago. But basically, he was talking about wanting to have an adventure with his daughter be for like one last time because in the future he knows he'll be hearing about all the adventures but he won't necessarily be partaking in them with her and woo as a dad to daughters dang man i was like on the airplane reading this like crying but uh but yeah that i'm that definitely like hit some nerves and hit some emotions so anyways already this intro is way too long uh <laughs> check out all the like a bigfoot other podcasts um you can find us on our website like a bigfoot.com join the facebook group where we post stuff and whatnot <laughs> kind of preview the next week's guests and review the previous week's guests and uh yeah share with some friends guys i want to grow this i've had quite a few people tell me that the podcast has really been a positive part of their week and which blew my mind because you know i record this in a room by myself <laughs> and then people were like yeah we actually listen to it which is cool um but yeah so i mean spreading positivity spreading goodness was my goal uh for this year and maybe for my life so uh help spread the goodness um subscribe to itunes leave us a review you can say how the host is all right, but he says awesome and dude a lot. That's cool. But uh, yeah, help us out, dude. That would be awesome. All right, enough with that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, author, dad extraordinaire, James Campbell. Real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you live in Boulder, is that right? So I live or in our. Live in, I live in Arvada. Arcadia. Yeah. Oh, Arvada. Right. Yeah, Arvada, man. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's great country. Though I mean, we discovered Boulder's only thirty minutes from our house, and we've been up there yeah. pretty much constantly. So. <laughs> yeah, Boulder's great. Yeah. yeah. I think I told you I used to live up in Jamestown. Um, originally when I first moved to Colorado, I lived off the peak to peak highway, um, above, you know, where, you know, where Jamestown is. Yes. You I go think up, so. Yeah. So I lived and then, and then later I moved down into Jamestown. Nice. And Boulder was half an hour down the mountain. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. So let's kind of start there. What, uh, just selfishly, what's like a secret spot that's amazing. <laughs> Oh man. 
You mean in, in, in your area, in the front range of Colorado? Yeah, or even around Boulder, I guess. You know, God, man, it just, it's been so long. When I used to, I used to go up into the Indian Peaks wilderness oh, all yeah. the time, and there was nobody. <laughs> there was nobody. Now I understand, it, well, you know, there were, there were people on the weekends, but if I went during the week, I could go up with my dog and we could camp at some of those lakes or cross over into Rocky Mountain National Park and we wouldn't see anybody, you know, for days. And I, you know, I don't know what it's like now. Um, I imagine, you know, things have changed because a lot of people have moved into the mountains. Oh, yeah. Of course, Boulder has grown. So, you know, it's really hard for me to say, but. You know, there's, I mean, Jamestown is still a great town. I don't know if you've ever been up to the Merck. We haven't Jamestown yet. Merck. We just moved out we here about it. six months ago. So we're still Oh, exploring. you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. I forget. Where Where are you from originally? So I'm originally from Iowa, right on the Mississippi River. Oh, you so are? I know you're from Wisconsin, so Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Midwest pride. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. I love the Mississippi. Oh, it's awesome. My dad lived, like, literally right on the banks of the river, and... We would, his neighbor had a dock, so we would just be on the river 24 7, basically growing up. That's a great life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great life. Exactly. Except yeah, I love sandbagging, you know, when the, when it rises, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. But yeah, what a great, what a great Mark Twain existence. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you go up to, you know, if you go above Boulder, you go out, you go up, um, uh, left hand canyon, you know, um, let's see, take, you go North Boulder, uh, out on Broadway yes. to North Boulder. And then you turn onto, I think it's Lee Hill, if I remember, and then onto old stage and then up left hand Canyon. One diverges when left hand Canyon, and James Canyon diverge, you stick on James Canyon that goes right up to Jamestown and the Merck is great. I don't know if you like kind of bluegrassy folk music. Yeah. But they got they got a bunch of local mountain musicians. And I think they still have like Friday, Thursday night, bluegrass night or something like that. And the Merck serves great food. And it's just a ton of fun. And do you know, do you know the town of Gold Hill? You know, I've heard my dad is like a huge music fan and he lived yeah, out here yeah. um, uh-huh. after after he moved from Iowa. He lived out here in Fort Collins oh, yeah. for a while and he just raves about having to go up to Gold Hill to watch some concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they got the Gold Hill Inn and they have all kinds of great music there. It's a really nice restaurant. But they also have really great music. Yeah. And then there's a there's a little there's a little tavern that you that my friends used to own called the Millside Inn, right on the Peak to Peak Highway, and they used to have bluegrass okay. night every every Friday night too. And but last time I was there, I saw for sale sign. Oh. And I didn't get to talk with my friend, but um, yeah, just you know that whole area. There's just so many great little towns. It's crazy. It's have you ever been yeah. up to? Uh, this was in Fort Collins or up the Poudre River, but the Mishawaka Inn. Yeah, you know I've never been there, but I've heard about it. A, you know, a ton yeah. of times. It's crazy. It's this yeah. tiny building, but they have. On the weekends, like four hundred people just camping on the side of the of the highway. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. Going to that's a concert. That's so great. Yeah, and when I was a kid, I'd he, always, I'd always love it because the the waiter there had a mohawk. And it would it would <laughs> extend into a ponytail, and it went all the way down to like his knees, and then wrapped up and put into a holster. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the coolest yeah, thing as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great it's a great area. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you're in Wisconsin good. now. Yeah, I live. I live. We have a little farm um, just outside of Madison, and. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. When I left at eighteen, I swore I'd never return. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm back, you know, willingly. And um, you know, but my our daughter, we have three daughters. They're getting older. You know, the, the youngest is eleven, and I think when she's when she graduates, we'll head out somewhere. I'm not sure where that might be, but yeah, um, yeah we'll see. Yeah, man. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, I. Uh-huh. I think it was about a year ago I read your book called Braving It, um, right. which is about you taking your oldest daughter up and t- up to the, like, the Alaska tundra, essentially. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, right. And, you know, was, I'm, I'm the kind of guy where if I'm in the airport, I'm picking up an outdoor book because I want yeah. to be anywhere but the airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or going somewhere that the airport will get you to. Yes. Yeah. Some woods. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So right. I read it, and, you know, as a father of two daughters, and it was one daughter at the time, but two daughters, uh-huh. I was like, this is such a... It just totally connected with me. Um, yeah, well, I'm ha- great. Because it was kind of about that time, like you want your kids to be independent, you want them to grow up and develop all those skills, but at the yeah. same time, it's hard to probably let them go when they're in their yeah. late teens. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you you'll discover uh, letting go is, I mean, letting go both literally and figuratively is you know is really really hard and obviously you know we do it incrementally as they get older and as they become more responsible but um you know that yeah when you take them well when you take them out in the out into the wilderness any wilderness you know your burden of responsibility is pretty large and um yeah so that that i think would weigh it weighed on me it would weigh on any father, but, um, you know, I, I thought that both Aiden and I were prepared. My, yeah, my daughter's name, oldest daughter's name is Aiden. And that, and we trained really hard. We did a lot of stuff in preparation for each trip. And, um, I think that made them possible and that made them, that made them great experiences instead of really bad experiences or even really dangerous experiences. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to wanted to to hear about. I mean, there's so many concerns, and if you're like me, like I could go out in the wilderness by myself, and I don't feel as anxious as if I yeah. go out with my wife or even like I, my three year old daughter. We were hiking yesterday, and I'm like, you know, it's just a nice little hike, but I'm like, oh my god, what if, <laughs> what if you know we saw a bear? Like I'm, you know, you think about those things, or I'm looking for sure. rattlesnakes all the time, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, well go oh go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, did you do like I don't know, like a cost benefit analysis or what? How did you know she was ready? 
Well, you know, she spent, we spent a lot of time in the woods, you know, in the, in, in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, in the, in the UP, and northern Minnesota, and then in the West, primarily Colorado and Idaho. So I knew that she had basic wilderness skills. She had um, basic kind of wilderness sense. And um, more than that, but still, nevertheless, you know, it was a big jump from even from Idaho, yeah. you know, from the from the Sawtooth Mountains to, to, to Alaska. But even more than that, she had, you know, a real, a, a burning desire to do that, a real, real interest. And that kind of overcame everything. And that was kind of... For me, what trumped everything, you know, I thought if she's willing to learn and uh, willing, willing to learn from me and other, you know, teachers, other people who can teach her about the wilderness, that's, you know, that's the best thing in the world. Here she is. So, so let's do it. Now, you know, my wife has spent a lot of time in the woods and the mountains, but she was, you know, obviously it's her oldest daughter. She was worried and very concerned. So she made us promise uh, before in preparation for each and every trip that, that we would be, would indeed be ready, you know, to tackle the, the obstacles. Now, obviously you can't be ready for everything, but you try to be, um, you know, for every kind of um, unexpected urgency that might, that might arise. So, um, yeah, but nevertheless, um, you, you have you have doubts, you have apprehensions. It's just, I think it's natural. I think it's natural for anybody, and certainly, uh, very very natural for a father or a mother. Yeah did did Aiden have to convince you? I mean, did you like did you give her like a test or something where you're like, okay, now we're ready? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I should have. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think we did a you know we did a lot of. So the first trip, we went up, as you know, yeah. to help my cousin, who li- has lived there for 45 years. You know, he's lives as maybe more remotely than anybody in all of North America. Certainly, you know, he's lived, you know, one of the 10 most remote people in North America. And he's been out there for 45 years. But we went up there to work to help him build a cabin. So she was introduced to the Alaskan wilderness that way. And then we made little kind of daily forays, you know, down the river. We put thick berries. We were walking through, you know, willow bars where there, you know, bear tracks. We were catching, you know, we were catching grayling for food. So, so that was a wilderness immersion experience, but she didn't have to use, you know, she didn't need a ton of skills at that point. So, that that was the first trip, and I didn't know that there'd be a second and the third trip. I thought, well, let's just see how she does. And we were working our butts off, by the way. So, and she was, you know, she just turned 16, and we were building this cabin, and we were really working hard. And it was often drudgery. But, um, you know, I also wanted to show her that it's, being in the wilderness is often really, really hard work. Yeah. So, um, sorry if these answers are too long. You want oh, to no, go short? for it, man. Sound? Okay. <laughs> I'm just sitting here fascinated. <laughs> this is all just a selfish way for me 
to oh, okay. figure out how to be a good dad. So go for it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right. Well, you know, God knows I've, I've made lots of mistakes along the way. Well, you, you know, know I've what? Made mis- I made mistakes up there, too. That's what I enjoyed about the book is, I mean, you didn't paint the picture like it was all rainbows and butterflies, you know, like yeah. you admitted when there were moments where you guys would get into arguments and, you know, maybe you were in the wrong and you just flat out would admit it, you know, you weren't trying to cover it up or anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I think there's a, I'm not sure if it's, I forget if it's in the book, you know, of ultimately Aiden read my rough draft of the book. And I said, you know, it, did I get at the reality of it? And she said, yeah, I can, I can see that you, you tried and you did, but, um, here, I, you know, I want you to read my diary. I don't want you to read my diary, but I think you should read my diary so you also know what was going inside, going on inside my head. You know, so that was pretty brave for her. Yeah. It may be brave for me to read it, too. I but, bet. Well, um, I was wondering know, that. I opened it up. Yeah. yeah I was ahead. rereading the kind of last section when you were going down the river uh, this morning. Yeah. And right. you mentioned so many times of her writing in her journal. And I actually had that thought, yeah. like, I wonder if he read that journal before writing the book. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I found it, I, I ultimately found that it was necessary because what was really, and you'll discover this too, you think you're go, you know what is going on inside your kid's head and you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a real revelation for me. Um you know, I thought I, I I thought that that I handled you know some things pretty well, and um, and then I'd read her diary. I thought, oh Jesus, <laughs> did that? Is that the way she interpreted it? It was bad. Did I strike out? So you know, I, I'd say I'd say a line of Dad's being such a jerk. You know, <laughs> you know, Dad's. Dad's um, being, you know, humorless, or dad is whatever. So it was, it was pretty eye-opening. And um, but, but overall, I think, you know, I think I got it right. I, I made mistakes. You know, there were some small victories. There were mistakes. But overall, in the end, I think it was good for me. It was good for her, and it was good for our bond. Yeah. How did you how did you notice your communication with each other evolve through it? Because, you know, I guess I told you before we started the podcast, I usually teach seventh and eighth graders. And that's kind of the the time where they stop communicating with parents or they, um, you know, they they are wanting to grow up, but the parents aren't ready to let them take Uh, those steps. Right. Well, um yeah, we. One thing Aiden always says is when you're when you're with someone like that in a wilderness experience, um, naturally you have arguments, you have disagreements, you have conflicts. It's just like anywhere else, you know. You go into the wilderness, and um, you may even have more, just because on a daily basis. You're tired. Um, you're encountering things that you don't expect. You know, it's not a comfortable existence. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't, you know, moments of beauty because obviously there are and there were for us. Otherwise, we would not have done it. But um, 
you've got to get over things really fast. You cannot hold grudges. <laughs> and um, whether you talk through them or however you handle it, is ultimately you have to realize that, uh, yeah, you have to let these things go. Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable and you're going to have a miserable experience. And um, so that was that was kind of eye-opening for both of us because on our first trip, you know, there were occasionally there were some resentments which we maybe didn't air out and uh, until perhaps even a day later, even days later. And um, we, we learned that when, when there were issues to, to talk about them. Now, when you, again, when you're in the wilderness and you're canoeing down a river or stomping across the tundra carrying a huge, heavy backpack, you think, oh, you're going to have all this marvelous time for these great father-daughter things. But no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, you anytime it's hard work. And yeah. You're beat. You're beat. You know, you break camp. You're backpacking for eight or nine hours. You get to camp. You set up, and you're worn out. Yeah. So, but then, but then, you know, you have one absolutely glorious moment where. You just you there's this amazing connection that you, I mean you know you'll never ever lose. Yeah, you know, that'll like, that'll be that'll be with you for the rest of your life. It's almost like you come to an understanding that you wouldn't have had without the experience, and you're you're yeah. all you will always have at that point afterwards. Always, and that far outweighs all the little trivial. <laughs> Um, disagreements and arguments, uh, you know, they're always going to happen. And yeah, then you have that one moment and you're like, this is why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. This, 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 this is, this is the whole thing. This, 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 you know, makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. What, what, uh, has that kind of transferred when you got back into society, I guess? You know, I think I think it has to a certain extent. Um, my my daughter, I think I have a pretty good relationship with all my daughters, um, but Aiden and I always had a really great friendship. So I guess I never had the expectation that um, that we had to overcome. I mean, never never felt we had to overcome anything or even the expectation that, you know, suddenly our relationship is going to be changed. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we talk, we still talk about it. You know, we, we, we think of it, we think back on it very, very fondly. And, you know, I'd like to think that when, you know, if I live to I'm 85 or 90 years old, you know, we'll still be talking about it, but I know, you know, she's off on a gap year now. Um, before she goes to college, she backpacked around Europe. Good for her. Went down, went down to Costa Rica and worked with a friend of ours who's a, a jungle guide, and she helped him run jungle trips. <laughs> and now, now she's in Peru, backpacking around Peru. So that set her off on this, this life of adventure. And uh, I think that without the Alaskan experience, it, it never would have happened. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So she, she gave up the cold. 
it sounds like. Yeah, 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 she did. She did. <laughs> That's one thing she gave up. She, yeah. she was thinking about the possibility of learning to be a dog slutter, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm actually reading and, a great book about that that she might like. Um, which one? Oh, man, it's by... Welcome bo- to the Goddamn Mike. Yes, that's exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she's my. She's a good friend of mine. Oh, no way. And, yeah, yeah, Blair's a good... She's great. Yeah, she's actually, really, she's I, a, I sent her an email uh, once I started the book, which is funny. Yeah, she's an amazing woman. And um, her book is great. And, uh, I mean, she is a legitimate dog sledder. She's a racer. That's awesome. You know, um, she's training for the Iditarod. And uh, she lives in Wisconsin, too, in northern Wisconsin. Okay. And, yeah, you'll really like her. Yeah, but, the book uh, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And she obviously went through a lot. Yeah. Um, but talk about a, a self-made woman right there. Um, so in fact, she was, we were thinking about her Aiden going up to work with Blair. That's funny. Uh, So yeah, yeah. So ultimately Aiden said, no, I'm tired of the cold. (laughs) No, I'm going somewhere warm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously your experience, you know, made a huge impact and I mean, I guess I kind of want to hear a bit about the canoe trip portion yeah of it because yeah. you guys decided you were gonna it's funny because you always hear the phrase like canoe down the river but like uh-huh. in alaska you're going north right to the arctic yeah well once you get north of the brooks range the rivers go north yeah, yeah. so you're canoeing up right. the river <laughs> right uh right. and it was what what was the river called hula 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 oh the hula hula yeah it was um named by hawaiian um whalers yeah, the, the whaling ships they used, you know, they would begin in Hawaii, um, and then by summer they'd come up to the northern Arctic, and they used Hawaiians um, on, their, on their ships, because Hawaiians were great whalers. And they, they, they thought it looked like a snake. At the end it does. Once you get down near the mouth, it, it kind of winds back and forth. You know, it's, it's not this this ferocious mountain river it's something very different yeah yeah so what made you guys want to canoe it versus raft it yeah you know that that's the well we we've spent a lot of time in a in canoes um if i were to do it again i wouldn't do a canoe i mean that was the one that was the one um perhaps bad mistakes. So I'll tell you what happened is I, I talked to um, people from Fish and Wildlife, people from the Fairbanks uh, Paddlers Club, yeah, you know, caught people who had kayaked it, rafted, and canoed it before. So usually the river, the Hula Hula, is class two to class three. And in a canoe, Aiden and I could, you know, do, do class two to class three. However, what happened is we were backpacking. They, we were getting a ton of rain and a ton of snow. And the river rose. By the time we got to the mouth, by the time we got to the headwaters of the Hula Hula River, we were looking at class two, class three, and in some places, class four. Oh, geez. So, so that, you know, 
but you know, what are you going to do at that point? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're you're there, you're in. You just got you got to do it, and you got to hope for the best. And you know, some some people actually criticize me for that, and I think the criticism is, you know, I guess semi-legitimate. But you know, we did a lot of we canoed, and I didn't even go into just you know for for fear of trying my reader. Yeah. all the rivers that we canoed before we went up there. You know, I kind of highlighted some of the, some of the, some of our early experiments and um, which, you know, didn't go so well, you know, cause we're used to being in single canoes. Um, so to canoe double is a different, a different experience. And that was something we had to get used to, but, we canoed some really, not canoed, uh, well, we canoed and kayaked some really big rivers in preparation for it. Okay. But it was, it was tough. Yeah. I had so experience was, one time canoeing down rapids and I hope yeah. this, I hope you judge me for this because it was so hard. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, we we're in an adventure race, me and two of my buddies. So there's three of us in a wow. canoe, which makes it harder. Yeah. I was the yeah. Oh my god! What's it called yeah. in boats where you put rocks in the bottom of it to like balance? You, yeah. Um, uh, Man, what's that called? Yeah, yeah. I can't think of it. Yeah, right whatever now. that was, yeah. that was me. Yeah. I was sitting in the bottom of the boat, and we're rafting. Yeah. Or we're canoeing down like the weakest rapids of all time on the Shenandoah River. <laughs> oh, was, I know the Shenandoah you know, River. Yeah, yeah. And, and so where where. You, that's in you, that's in Southwest Iowa. No, I'm sorry. We were down the uh, Shenandoah River in Virginia. Um, oh, in Virginia. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you mentioned Sh- Shenandoah, Iowa. There is, yeah. <laughs> no, there. I've canoed down rivers in Iowa too, but this one had like yeah. the tiniest rapids ever, and we still almost capsized. Like, yeah. Well, three guys in a canoe. <laughs> um, that, yeah, yeah. Um, you were, they had you in there for, oh, ballast. Ballast, right? that's it, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were in there for, but three guys in a canoe, man, that yeah. that's crazy. It was pretty But hilarious. we, um, you know, we were in a canoe, a pack canoe, too. We had, you know, quite a bit of weight in there. Yeah. And, um, but we did a lot of scouting. You know, we didn't. Uh, sometimes we had to hit rapids just because there was there was no way we could scout them. But we scouted lots and lots of rapids. Okay. And that was, that was exhausting, too. But um, I think that certainly had I expected a class, class three to class four river, I would, have, I, never, I would not have taken the canoe. I would yeah. have taken single, you know, single kayaks or a raft. Yeah. But a raft... A raft isn't as fun. I mean, if you really want to experience the river, um, you know, canoes and kayaks are the best way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the thing I noticed, and I think this is so important just in the development of any teenager, is that they understand the idea like the cycle of failure and that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah. And I think, you dem- I think you demonstrated that through your story that your daughter started to understand like i mean you had moments where you, you know stuff went wrong especially in the canoe and yeah. it just made you guys into a stronger team and a stronger it made her into a stronger uh, paddler 
Yeah, I think it did. I think that, what, what did you call that? The, the what a failure? The, like the cycle of failure. Like it's a good thing. Oh, and yeah. it, we look at it so often as like all of my students, man, if you try to tell a 13 year old, like, oh, good, you got a you got a D on the test. That's good because that means yeah. you have somewhere to improve. <laughs> they don't <Right>. understand that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, I, I too, I mean, I think fail, you know what, if you're, if you're not failing, you're not living, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you're going to fail in, you're going to, you're going to fail as a father, you're going to fail, I mean, not, not ultimately, yeah. but <laughs> occasionally, yeah. you're going to fail as a woodsman, you're going to fail at, in all kinds of different ways, but if you let that hold you back, you know, then then you're living this sequestered life that, as far as I'm concerned, and obviously you too, just ain't worth living. You no, know? exactly. And we learned, yeah, we learned, we learned from, um, we learned from mistakes up there. Uh, you know, we learned initially on the river, as you know. Um, I suddenly start as, tried to assert control, and um, I undermined Aiden's confidence. And but you know, I just jumped into a role that I was familiar with. You know, that I've always kind of assumed when I've gone into the woods. But it became very obvious that it wasn't working for us. That that. Um, you know that we we were just completely out of sync and finally you know Aiden said said you know dad you got to trust me you have to trust me and for me that was um you know just a huge huge concession to let her you know to let her pick our line to let her negotiate us through the rapids and to trust her and, you know, as she said, by the end, you know, she was shouting <laughs> commands to me. How often do you get to, how often do you get to yell at your old man? <laughs> well, and so, you know, along with the bigger theme of letting go, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And, you know, you like literally had to essentially let go of your control, um, you know, which I have to imagine kind of gets you ready for her going on a gap year, her, uh, going yeah. to college, you know? Yeah. 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 She, obviously what you want is for your children to not only to learn, say in a classroom setting, but you want them to learn life skills that they will use forever. You want them to be self-sufficient. You want them to be adaptable. You want them to be confident and composed and comfortable. And um, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing in the world that teaches those virtues or those values like a wilderness experience. Um, you have to rely. You you have to be adaptable. Often the weather sucks, right? <laughs> and you know, you know, you you just you just gotta you gotta say, oh well. You know the weather sucks, but we gotta we gotta make the best of it. Or you know you'll have a little, um, you know you you realize you forgot something. Or 
you know, you put a hole in your canoe or something like that, and you just got to take it in stride. And those are, I think, those are all really good lessons. Those are huge lessons. And also, I wrote this note down earlier, just um, something that I don't think most teens get. And in fact, like, I don't think a lot of people get either, but I think teens need it especially, but just time to reflect in, like, the quietness of the wilderness. Um, cause you know, yeah. think how crazy yeah. the normal teenager's life is with school and at like after school activities and homework. And, and then they're on like yeah. talking to their friends on their phones and stuff. I mean, you just don't even get time to actually like sit with yourself and try to figure yourself out. <laughs> and, you know, right. when you're 15, you don't know who the heck you are. <laughs> so yeah. And 15, this, you know, I, I mean, I think it's really, you know, obviously I have a computer, I have a phone, you know, I spend time on social media, but you know, the, the kids today and perhaps adults too, just devote so much time to these devices and they don't have time to think. They don't have time not to think. Yeah. You know, they don't have time to let their minds wander. You know, they don't have time to just stare at the sky. They don't do that anymore. And, um, you know, when you're out, when you're out in the wilderness, you, you have a lot of time to think. And, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of kids today, perhaps a lot of adults today would be very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on, on top of that, um, just the, uh, like insecurity you feel miles and miles and miles where you were from civilization. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a little bit intimidating. Like I noticed, like if I'm climbing one of the mountains out here, right. And you get above yeah. tree line and you can see how far you are from basically anything. And you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. Like if something went wrong, it's up to me. Like sure. no one's going to save me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's, a, I think that's, I think that's important is to feel a sense of insecurity in life and then to date, take a deep breath and say, okay, these are the things I need to do to be safe, yeah. to keep myself safe and not only to be happy, but, um, to be safe. And yeah. And people don't, you know, people don't experience that anymore. No, no. And, and then they get in, then they get in just little situations and, <laughs> and they lose it <laughs> just because they're so unaccustomed to it. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. And you know, a little discomfort becomes some overblown crazy situation that, you know, it, it puts being in the wilderness puts it, puts things into perspective. I always tell what I always tell my um, daughter is my daughters before we go on a trip, you know, like that. I said, you know, when you when you're when you're in the wilderness, you um, you prepare for the worst, hope for the best, and if you get something in between, you consider yourself lucky. That's a good trip. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had some really bad trips. I've had some really great trips. But most of the time you get something right in the middle and, um, you know, if you're lucky and if you're prepared and that's, you know, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, my favorite part of the book was when you guys 
kind of got to the end of the river and you're waiting for a plane and then all of a sudden a polar bear starts meandering into camp. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wrote in my notes, bear safety, bear safety tips, yeah. but then I put dot, dot, yeah. dot, and then in caps I put polar bear safety tips. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, polar bears are, you know, they're apex predators. They yeah. are the top of the food chain. And we saw, you know, a number of grizzlies. And the grizzly, unless, I mean, we saw, we saw, you know, a sow with cubs too. I just read but that unless, <laughs> unless a sow is really kind of um, anxious about her cubs, she's going to turn away. Um, the only other thing, you know, with a grizzly is coming upon a grizzly you know, who's, who's sitting on a kill. Now that is dangerous. Yeah. And you never know. You could be walking through a willow bar and a grizzly could have, you know, killed a caribou and um, you are downwind of the grizzly so it doesn't smell you. Um, and then all of a sudden you come upon it. You don't see tracks or anything. Now that can be dangerous. That would be like but worst case whole- scenario. Worst case scenario, but a polar bear, you know, a polar bear is just unintimidated. Yeah. They just unintimidated by, by humans. Um, and so, you know, you, you pretty much do the same thing you do with grizzly bears. You just, you talk and you talk loudly, but calmly and you let that bear know that you're there and you try to make yourself as big as possible. And, you know, one thing people always do, and you, you may know this, with, with bear spray is if there's any wind at all, you don't want to shoot, say, at a bear's shoulders or a bear, if it's standing, a bear's head. And by the way, a standing bear is unlikely to attack. If, you know, the bear hunkers down, then he and starts throwing his head back and forth or hers. Then it's getting ready to attack. If they're but standing, if, are they just trying to like intimidate you? No, they're just they're just sniffing the air. Looking, they're just okay. trying to figure out. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out what's going on. But what you do with your pepper spray? Always spray at the ground in front of them because that pepper spray, by the time it gets there, is going to lift. Okay. And. Um, so if you want if you want that pepper spray in the eyes and the nose, so don't spray it right at the eyes and the nose. Spray it down and let it come up. Um, and that's a, that's a mistake a lot of people make. And by the way, a lot of people um, don't you know they have pepper spray, but they've never practiced using it. Yeah. They, you know that's the great that's the great sin is. You have this false sense of security. You gotta practice. If you gotta practice in wind, gotta practice on calm days. You know, use up a few cans. And by the way, if if it's really cold, the the propellant isn't gonna work. Oh no. So <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't know that either. They have bear spray, but it you know they set it out. You know they set it in their tent. You know if it gets really cold, and um. And the propellant, you know, the propellant doesn't work. And then you just, it just fizz at the end of your spray. So, <laughs> so with, you're like, with, I'm good against polar bears. I got this bear spray. And then it just like. Right. Right. Well, you know what? The, the addendum to my book is 
we had, I have a friend who's a Knowles instructor and, um, he was kayaking. He came down about five days after us and we met him in Arctic village. And he said, so when you guys get to the, get to the Island and your, um, Inuit captain comes to get you, um, tell him that I would like a pickup about five days later. And so he got to the island, and we got off the island. I thought, shit, you know, that polar bear. Yeah. You know, he was really, really inquisitive. He's going to be coming back to the island. Well, you know, he did. Oh. He, he bothered the He, he um, finally ended up, after many, many encounters, um, ended up sticking his head inside oh, my no. buddy's tent. First, oh, no. he, he, pawed at, he pawed at it at night, pawed at it at night. Finally, on my friend's last night, the Eskimo captain, he was there two extra days, too, because of wind. The polar bear stuck his head inside his tent, and he shot it. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do at that yeah. point? What are you going to do? Yeah. He, yeah that, and this guy is the most gentle guy in the whole world. He is the last person in the world to ever shoot anything, especially a polar bear. Yeah. But he really believed that this polar bear intended to eat him. And I think, you know, yeah. it, it was probably pretty legitimate, very legitimate. So what and do you... He shot, wow. shot it. What did, what did he, he have to do him. afterwards? I mean, did he have to well, prove that he was in danger? Well, then there's a whole... Yeah, well, then Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. Fish and Wildlife does an inquiry and an investigation, and ultimately, um, ultimately, you know, they decided... They, 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 you know, they, they agreed with him that this polar bear probably would have killed him. Yeah. Wow. That's but, crazy. But, you know, the, yeah, it is. It is crazy. So that was, so that polar bear definitely, they, this, it was an adolescent polar bear, um, adolescent male, and they're always, you know, super curious and adventurous and very difficult to kind of shoo away. Yeah, when you guys had like another group joined you at that point, right? So you guys had yeah. quite a bit of people standing shoulder to shoulder. That was I don't know why that visual. I was like, this is my favorite visual in the book, just standing shoulder to shoulder <laughs> yelling at a bear. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we were doing. You know, they they came down. So the first time Aiden and I saw it, we saw it on our own, and we uh, the second time we thought, holy crap, we're here on the beach, and here it comes. Yeah. And that was that was nerve wracking, but yeah, fortunately we had the group. Um, you know, there with a polar bear, there's certainly power in numbers, and um, and I think that had it just been Aiden and me at the time, who knows? I, I really don't know what yeah. would have happened. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's so crazy. So I know because I'm like, it's so funny. You just level up on bears because. You know, I'm from Iowa. We didn't really have many bears. Uh, yeah. Lived in Virginia for a bit, which apparently there's black bears all over the place. And I didn't see yeah. one, which I was kind of disappointed <laughs> about. Yeah, uh, right. But now I'm like, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do if I see a black bear? And I know for the most part, yeah. they're pretty safe, you know. Yeah, uh, right. And I'm like, I can't even imagine a grizzly bear. But for you, <laughs> you're like, the grizzly bears aren't a big problem. The polar bears. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, grizzly bears are scary too. But yeah. I mean, you see a bear, and you, you know, I don't care. I don't care whether you got a shotgun, a rifle, a handgun, pepper spray, or whatever. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. You know, definitely. it's exciting. It's exciting too. Yeah. Um, but but it, you know, it's scary, and um, I suppose. Yeah, they, I, I mean, you know, even my cousin who's lived out there for 45 years, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, take any chances with bears. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, you don't know what they're gonna do, and they're freaking gigantic. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> what? yeah, you wouldn't believe how big until you see him up close. Yeah, what? Can you real quick just describe a bear fence? Because he kept mentioning it, and I'm like, I have my own imagination of what it is, and you probably described it at one point. And I just can't remember. Yeah, you know, it's it's just like it's just like um, you're from cow country. Yes. So it's just like it's just like uh, you know uh, an electric fence for a cow. Okay. Okay. And so so you set it up. You set it up around. There's a little battery pack. You set it up around your um, your tent, and uh, you know it acts as a deterrent. Um, and you know it can deliver. It can deliver quite quite a joke and um the only thing we we heard we we also when we were on the island surrounded our tents with um with a bear fence and we heard later from a bear a, a, um, um, a polar bear biologist that um a lot of the people studying bears were studying polar bears were using uh, bear fences, and the polar bears had learned to jump them. Oh <laughs> Which, of course, we didn't know at the time. Yeah. Maybe that's good, because we, we certainly would not have slept as well. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, so, real quick, there's a couple more questions. Um, yeah. Did... Okay, so I had a moment. I went on a, uh, I go on a fishing trip with my dad every so often to Canada. Um, and I yeah. specifically remember when I was like 10, I was in the, in the cabin and we're cooking dinner and stuff. And my job was to stir the beans. Yeah. And I remember making the biggest mistake of my life, which was complaining that my arm was tired stirring the beans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, I have not lived that down. For the last twenty years, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. Poor guy had to stir the beans. Yeah. Did did Aiden make any like? Was there any moments like that where you're like, oh, she's not aware of how hard this is gonna be? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that um, you know, when on our first trip, it was the worst. You know, the I think I, I mentioned that in the book, the worst bug season in the interior. Oh, geez. In decades, and there were mosquitoes everywhere. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, Dad, when are these mosquitoes gonna die down? <laughs> oh no! Oh, I thought, no. They are never, ever gonna die down. In fact, they're probably gonna get worse. And she was already miserable. And and she was also peeling these poles, and it's really hard work. You do it with a draw knife, and you're bent over these poles. And, um, you know, I described that scene. She was miserable those first few days. Uh-huh. And she didn't know how to do it, and I thought, God, have I made a mistake. You know, I yeah. never, ever, ever should have brought her here. This was just not smart. 
and she was fearful. You know, the, initially, for the first 10 days, she didn't want to go anywhere on her own because she was worried about grizzlies. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, oh, my God, i got to follow her wherever she goes. She's unhappy. She's worried about being eaten by a bear. And I thought, man, have, <laughs> yeah. have I blown it? But then, you know, slowly, gradually, she um, she came to she became uh, more comfortable, and she came to really enjoy and appreciate and value the experience. Yeah, but initially there were cer- certainly times, and yeah. you know, on each on each trip, on each trip, I remember when she first looked at the Hula Hula River. She said, you know, she said, "Dad, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. Yeah, we're going to be able to do it." And, um, you know, I looked at it, too, and I thought, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can't say that part out loud. You're like, uh, no, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah, the last thing she needed to hear was, you know, that I was, I was a little intimidated, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, every trip, it, it had some of those. Yeah. Uh, have, those have your other daughters been, you know, did they want to go on their own? adventure with you or is that not something they're interested in no they're all very interested i'm okay. trying you know i have to i have to stay young just so i can do that <laughs> in fact i may um my my second book was about these these soldiers during world war ii who were ordered by general macarthur to walk across new guinea and i went to new guinea with a small film crew and I retraced their route across the jungles and the mountains oh, that's in New cool. Guinea in 2006. Yeah, nobody had ever nobody had ever done it. Can you find um, that video somewhere? Uh, he, he, well, you can find a portion of it on uh, if you go to if you go to ghostmountainboys.com. Okay. Um, it, it, there's n- nine minutes of a proposed documentary. We still, you know what, 10 years later, haven't found funding. Gotcha. But one of these days, we're going to get the thing made. But um, I'm going back in November, in October, because it's the 75th anniversary of that trek, and I'm bringing my middle daughter, and we're, it's, a three, it's a three-week trip, you know, through the jungles and over the mountains. And um, she, she's going to, we're doing it with, an archaeologist and a historian, and then these two Aussie, Aussie guys, and she's gonna jo- she's gonna do it with us. So, That's cool. Yeah, that'll that'll be her big trip. Nice. Is she, that is she there? Might have to a, carry me over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there is that a possibility for like a a sequel book? Like, how do you come up? Do you have the experience, and then later you're like, oh, I should write about that, or is it kind of like you're going into it like, oh, this could be a good idea for a book. Let's see how it plays out. Well, with the you know with my second book, The Ghost Mountain Boys, I thought initially that I would include elements of our trek in the book. Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, I decided that it was disrespectful to those soldiers to write about what I did. Gotcha. Because because we, I mean, they they had well, I actually had ended up with malaria, but they had oh, malaria. Geez. They had dysentery. You know, they were in a war, they were fighting, and they still, you know, they were 19, 20 at the yeah. time. But they suffered so much more than I did. And that, by the way, is the hardest trip I've ever done. But they suffered so much more than I did, I just decided that I couldn't write about it. And 
with the with my braving it, you know, I didn't know. I thought I would love to write about a father daughter experience in the wilderness. I don't know if this is an article. I don't know if this a book is a book or maybe nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know how Aiden was going to react. So I didn't know what I had. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. yeah uh, do you do you have any uh, other books to recommend? Oh God, I got yeah. I mean, well, I would have recommended Blair's right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, a friend of mine wrote a book called Reading the River. Okay. Um, his name is John Hildebrand. He's from Wisconsin too, and he used to live in Alaska. And I think his book is one of the great, one of the great books about Alaska. Um, it's called Reading the River. Okay. And, awesome. And. Um, also, um, uh, what the hell is the name of it? I can't believe. Um, hold on a minute. Uh, let me let me turn on. God. Uh, yeah, there's so many great Alaska there's so books. Many. Suddenly, 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 my head is going blank. I'm like um, uh, an adventure book junkie. <laughs> oh, you are. I'd say, yeah, like um, my favorite ones just from like the like epic classic like explorer age would be um yeah. like endurance about shackleton oh, yeah, well, that's, it's a crazy yeah, that's book a and then the one i read right after it which reminded me of it was river of doubt have you read that one? Oh, the river of doubt is a great so book good about yeah i love the river of doubt well yeah the last the lost city of z if you're interested in i you haven't know, seen in, that i saw the... they made a movie about that though yeah, well, it's coming out as a movie. Um, in the Garden, is no, the Garden of the Monkey Gods is a new book that came out um, about discovering a lost civilization. Okay. Um, uh, in Alaska, there's One Man's Wilderness. Do you know that one? Yes, where he um, builds a cabin. I've read like about yeah, half of yeah. that one so far. Yeah, that that that's that's a good book. Um, Seth Kantner, um, his book. What the hell is it? Um, uh, what is? Uh, God, I forget. Uh, Ordinary Wolves. That's a good book. Okay. So, um, Ordinary Wolves. It's actually he turns it into a novel, but he lived. Um, his dad was a homesteader in another part of Alaska. He married an, a native woman. His dad did, and um, and you know much of what he writes about is derived from his experiences yeah that's awesome yeah i'll check those out for sure um yeah i think the best quote from your book to end it on because i was like uh, as i was reading it today i was like is there a sentence that better describes an adventure than this is uh you said just when we thought things couldn't get any harder they did <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yeah, right. I was like, that's perfect, man. Yeah, well, good. Yeah. Well, that was about as honestly stated as I could state it. <laughs> that's like every adventure. You go through that moment where you're like, it can't get any harder than this. I can't. I imagine. know. I know. And then you're like, why? Why am I out here? And then. And then the next day, you something amazing happens. You're like, okay, I, I remember. That's why I'm out here. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. well, James, thanks for talking to me, man. It's been sure, I enjoyed it. it was I so enjoyed cool. it. Yeah. Well, enjoy Colorado. See if you can get up to Gold Hill in the Jamestown Merc. And yeah, bring your your two daughters, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, bring your. Well, I don't. You, you your your uh, youngest is very young. Well, right? my my youngest is actually even younger because I have an eight month old and a three year old. So we're kind of like not necessarily in the age where we can do all these fun things, but we yeah, do. Yeah, right. I try to take them on hikes, you know, but we're hiking at a three-year-old pace. And uh, but oh, I know those days. <laughs> but that that being said, my proudest moment as a dad is that my my oldest daughter calls hiking daddy daughter trips, and she's always like, "Oh, oh that's on a so daddy good. daughter trip." Yeah. I'm like, "Yes, please." Yeah, that's that. really great. <laughs> She'll come. She, she there'll be a time when she hates him, but mostly. You know she'll she'll love them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that that's great. Yeah. Well, if if I can give you one bit of advice, treat your girls just like you would just like you would your boys. Yeah. And um, you know ultimately they'll thank you for it. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks, James, and yeah. uh, good yeah, luck. Yeah, sure. I really enjoyed it. Th- thanks a lot. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> All right, folks, that wraps up this episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Like I said at the beginning, go check out James's book, Braving It, A Father, a Daughter, and, and an Unforgettable Journey into the Alaskan Wild. It's a great read, for real. I Like I said in the podcast, I'm an adventure book junkie, and it was definitely one of the more memorable ones, especially as a parent. Um. I think there there was another quote I wanted to read from the book uh, because I feel like it kind of sums up adventure, but it also sums up parenthood because I, I mean, and this is coming from a guy with a three-year-old, but at the same time, like I already look back on pictures of her when she was one and I'm like, oh my God, where did the time go? You know, like she was just a little tiny creature learning how to crawl and like she didn't really crawl she just kind of like put one foot under and like slid her butt on the floor because she was like a she was a big baby (laughs) she couldn't she couldn't get all that weight up to to actually propel herself forward but uh but yeah so like so yeah time flies anyways so here's a quote uh from his daughter and i believe it's kind of towards the end of their hike right when they get to the hula hula river um she says, I can't believe it. All that walking and trudging. But now that we're here, it seems like it happened so fast. And like I said, that's true of adventure. It's true of parenthood. And it's really just true of life. And so stuff's going to happen fast. So you might as well enjoy the moment you're in. Make the most of today. And I know everybody says this stuff. But everybody says it because it's true. So make the most of right now, right here. Go do something amazing. Do something fun. Do something that lightens your spirits and, you know, makes your heart like jump for joy (laughs) or something. I don't know. Enjoy, Enjoy your moments. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends and your kids and all that fun stuff because time's gonna fly, man. All right, and then terrible segue. As you're enjoying these moments, <laughs> be sure to check out all of our other podcasts. Um, I was thinking of which ones I would pair with this one would be a good tag team. And I would probably suggest episode number 27 with Sean Forey. He was the first, him and his partner were the first people to do the 
Pacific Crest Trail in the winter. And just from the perspective of an epic adventure and being really cold <laughs> and kind of, you know, going out into the wilderness where they're not going to see anybody else and you're going to get that solitude. Uh, it's a great story. Um, it would be a good pairing with James. And then just from the perspective of fatherhood and being a dad, uh, I would suggest episode number three with Aaron Johnston. Um, one of my, one of my friends and someone I look up to as a good role model of being a parent and being a father. In fact, after I talked to James last night, I decided I was going to give Aaron a call today and we chatted for about an hour and I was like, dude, I called you because I talked to this really cool dad who was really just good at being a dad. And that reminded me of you and you're a good dad too and stuff. That was basically, I was, I was really excited when I was talking to him. So anyways, yeah, check those ones out. They're on our website. Um, subscribe to iTunes, leave us a review, all that fun stuff. But most importantly, go out and have a amazing week and have a great adventure. And we'll be back here next week uh, chatting to, to somebody else. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and also buy James' book, Braving It. It's phenomenal. And I haven't checked out his other books yet, but I am going to do that as soon as I click stop on this podcast, which is happening right now. So thanks again, James, and we'll get at you guys next week.